Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the Watt. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Wednesday edition of Pro Football Talk Live, Peacock, Series XM211, Sky Sports, eventually. don't remember which channel we are on this what? week. What? Why don't you remember? I usually check. Well, I usually check every week. It bounces around every week. We're somewhere on Sky Sports, unless we aren't. We're available via podcast, wherever you get your podcast. So anyone in the UK or Ireland that misses this on Sky Sports, whichever channel can Get the podcast. I assume that technology available across the Atlantic. Ocean. I would think so. Chris Sims, Mike Florio here with you today. There is a football story that isn't a football story that we need to touch on out of the gates here because really it's a sports world story given the way that the murder of George Floyd Memorial Day last year galvanized so many to stand up, speak out, take action. And I, I remember vividly getting hostile emails and tweets from people who took objection to the fact that I called it the murder of George Floyd, even though we saw it right. with our own eyes. And yesterday we heard the verdict, all counts against former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin, two murder charges, guilty. So we now can say, without any criticism or pushback, George Floyd was murdered. Manslaughter, second-degree murder, third-degree murder. The state did not try to get a first-degree murder charge because you have to prove advance intent. In some jurisdictions, you can formulate the intent for premeditated murder like that. Didn't try to do it. Right. They went for lesser charges, still up to 40 years in prison for Derek Chauvin when he is sentenced a few weeks from now. And, uh, NFL issuing statements, Vikings issuing statements. It happened just a few blocks away from the U.S. Bank Stadium where the Minnesota Vikings play, Chris. And a sense throughout the nation that justice has been done, but that this is not the end. It is the beginning of a longer process to ensure that there's true equality, that the virtues set forth in our 
founding documents will be will be enjoyed by all people right. eventually. This feels like a start, and there's still a lot more to be done. It does. It, it does feel like a start. I, I, I mean, I'm with you. Justice was served. I don't know how any other way you can look at it. You know, Derek Chauvin, he did not. He broke police protocol. You know, he sat there on a guy, it, it broke police protocol, did something that they don't even teach with the, the knee on the neck, all of those type of things. But, yeah, I think it's a big moment for our country. Yeah, of course it is for, you know, African-Americans and, and people of color and everything like that. But, you know, this was the right outcome. And, yeah, this was a huge topic. And let's not fall asleep at the wheel now just because we won, you know, one little battle here. You know, I'm, I'm hoping that, again, uh, in his memory for George Floyd, that, that that was the jumping off point that got all Americans behind the point of, wait, there's people that are not treated the same as everybody else in our country. You know, we've talked about this a lot. I've witnessed it many times. And uh, I just hope that we continue to fight the good fight and all can come together with this. Because the other thing, too, is, you know, uh, there's a lot of good police officers. There is. And I, I like a lot of them. I got friends of them, so, friends that are police officers. Yeah, there's a few bad apples. We know. Yeah, this guy was a big jerk. We know that. But uh, I just hope we could all come together and start, you know, fighting the good fight here and, and, and make some progress in this in this conversation. There's bad apples in every industry, That's right. but there are very few industries in which the the manifestation of yes. that behavior is and murder. that quality results in someone dying. Right. That, that's the problem. And mm -hmm. it gets back to, and, and go ahead, get ready, pick up your remote and get ready to change the channel when I say the name Colin Kaepernick. But this gets back to the point he made in August of 2016 as to why he was not standing for the national anthem. His fundamental concern, the treatment of black and brown Americans by police officers, tracing to the fact that it is ridiculously easy for someone to acquire that license to kill. Right. That license to carry lethal force. That license to exercise judgment in a split second as to whether or not a life will be taken. What kind of training? What kind of education, what kind of experience, what kind of expectation do we set? And the thing that resonated with me the most when Colin Kaepernick was explaining that in front of his locker as he started his final year with the 49ers, the comparison to the requirements to have a license to cut someone's hair. Oh, definitely. And, and I went and did the research. Yeah. California law. Right. He was right. Yeah. Holy crap. Holy crap. You've got to check all these boxes and attend all these hours of training and get all these hours of experience before you can wield a curling iron in a salon. And it's more than what it takes to carry a gun and a taser and hope to know the difference between the two. That, that's, so, again, it is just the beginning. Yeah. And, Chris, Chris, even though it was all caught on tape, and the lasting impression for me that is burned into my brain is the nonchalance that we saw from Derek Chauvin. Yeah, that's to me too. His neck and his hands in his pockets. Right. Like no. And like and like a grin on his face. This. Like oh, I'm just yeah. relaxing here yeah. with my knee on his neck. Right. He's right. resisting. He's right. resisting. Right. No big deal. Yeah. He's resisting. Yeah. This is what we do to guys who resist. Right. Um, I, it's very difficult to get criminal convictions in this country, and the system was set up to make it difficult. And 
whether it's O.J. Simpson, whether it's other high-profile cases we've seen. Now, in in a lot of these cases, the quality of lawyer you can afford translates to whether or not that lawyer can create reasonable doubt out of thin air or out of a glove that didn't fit because someone just happened to spread their fingers far enough so the glove didn't fit, right? Right. But, but the, the fact that there actually was a question, and I think it was just anxiety. I, I, I think it was collective anxiety of, oh, my God, what's going to happen if justice isn't done here? Oh, because we all yeah. knew what the just outcome was. Right. Even with the very high standard, the protections that are in place for all Americans, the idea that it's better for 10 guilty men to go free than one innocent man to be wrongfully convicted. So the standards are high and all the constitutional protections, presumption of innocence beyond a reasonable doubt, et cetera, et cetera. There, there is a point where you see it. And thank God that 17-year-old girl pulled out her camera and started filming. Yeah. Because good luck reconstructing all of that without the visual evidence. But sometimes you just see it. And as Potter Stewart once said, you know it when you see it. And we all knew it when we saw it. That's right. And and and, and uh, look, it's good that it w- there wasn't a rush to judgment. It's good that Derek Chauvin had his constitutional protections, Chris. But thank God at the end of the day, common sense and, and what our eyes tell us collectively prevailed over whatever protections are put in place to ensure that someone who's innocent doesn't yeah. go to jail because this guy wasn't innocent. We all knew it, and the jury figured it out fairly quickly given the severity of the charges that they were facing. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think that's, you know, the, the, it was a pretty quick deliberation, right? I mean, I think they saw a lot of the things that we saw. Uh, that you know, just what what what's going on here? I mean, this doesn't seem right. This is how a police officer are you taught to do this type of stuff? All of that. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad we got to the right verdict. You know, who knows what would have happened? A lot have been a lot of angry people, me included, if he did get off in some way. Um, so uh, I'm glad that we can you know kind of put this behind us to a degree. You know, start to heal from it as a country and, and you know, continue to do positive things here in his memory that way. One of the basic realities that we've seen pointed out by many, it never can be true justice unless it restores. You never get true justice when someone is wrongfully killed. Yeah. In whatever context, whatever right. setting, you right. can never get true justice for that because you can't bring the person back. But, but. And, and it'll never be obvious, but I think we should take some satisfaction in the assumption that what happened yesterday, the accountability that was brought to bear on Derek Chauvin, will save lives, will prevent other, other incidents cops, like other this from like happening. This. Yes, right. Even as we're dealing with fresh details out of Columbus, Ohio, about a young girl who was shot and killed because there was a knife on the ground or something like that, that that one still hasn't fully settled in. The Dante Wright killing from last week, his funerals today, that one's still being processed. But I sure hope that the verdict from yesterday, the coverage of it, it'll send a message to all police officers out there that you will be held accountable. Yeah. You know, for the rest of us, if we make a mistake, if if we say something factually incorrect or a word comes out wrong, we move on. There are certain professions where 
You make a mistake, you take a life. So you better be damn sure. And I know it's not easy. And I yeah, know that the police right. officers have to be careful because their lives can be on the line. But all the more reason, folks, for the legislatures out there, the governmental agencies, anyone who has oversight over police officers, what are we doing? Why are we not demanding more before we issue that license to kill? That's the, that's the conversation that I think we need to have I more than you. anything else. What are we doing where it's easier to carry a gun and have that license to make those split-second decisions than it is to carry a pair of scissors and, and trim around someone's ears. It, it makes no sense to me, and hopefully that's part of this process going forward no. that we'll realize it's a more important profession. It requires better screening. Yep. It requires better training. It requires better education, and you better be willing to, to spot the bad apples based upon other stuff they've done. Didn't get into that with Derek Chauvin. Well, you, you, would, take the stand. you would think to your point, you spot with all them the, then and right. you get them out. Well, you'd think with your point with the extended training and things like that, too. And even if they could do maybe, you know, some form of like, hey, NFL combine psychological testing on these guys to a degree, too, that they could weed some of those guys out if there was a little bit more of a process. So, like, I'm with you there totally. I, you know, I think the more time, you know, you got to be around these guys, learn about them. Okay. Here's a little psychological test. It, you know, hopefully you could come to that, you know, realization a little bit with some of these bad apples. And the other thing too, Hey, at the very bottom line, you know, listen, I, I, like I'd said, I got police officer friends. There's a, there's definitely more good than bad. The other thing I don't understand is just gun control in general. I mean, wouldn't police officers feel safer and maybe not as, you know, itchy trigger figures, tri tri or trigger fingers, excuse me? No, no, no because, because they'll say it, that, that even if there's any type of gun control, that criminals will still have guns. I, I think that's a different okay, topic for right. a different day and a all different right. time. Yeah, okay. The, 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 the other thing, too, is, and then we'll move forward. Yeah. We saw in the Derek Chauvin case the willingness of other officers to testify to tell the truth. Right. This fraternity, this sense, you know, and you get it from TV and movies mainly, but we've seen it kind of play out. You never really know what's going on, but this unspoken thing that police officers will protect other police officers because at some point the ones doing the protecting may need to be protected. So we're all right. kind of insular. It's right. us against them. And if somebody's attacking one of our own, we've got to circle the wagons. That's got to end. That's got to end. You've got to be, I think, if you're a truly responsible police officer, you've got to be horrified when something like this happens. And you have to be one of the ones who's saying, this person's got to go. I'm sorry. There's plenty of other jobs out there you can do. Yeah. This is not a job you should be doing. This is not suited to you. You don't have the temperament. You don't have the decision making. You don't have the calm in stressful situations to properly handle this job. And, and like I said, there are... I would say for most of these officers who ultimately end up taking someone's life wrongfully on the job, this isn't the first time they've manifested a behavior that shows they're unfit for the job. And I think that's part of it, too. You got to supervise and you got to be willing to move on. And and you know what? Maybe maybe they got to find a way to. And, and this isn't maybe. If you make it harder to gain entry to the profession. You got to make it more lucrative when you get there. Yeah, There's I was going to say a that too. Priority right. placed on right. what police officers make. Yeah, then you will attract better candidates, Agreed. and it will be easier to say to the marginal ones, 
go away instead of, well, we need to hire five people. We need a body. There's nobody else. Come on in. Come on in. We got streets to police. Come on in. Here's your badge. Here's your gun. Go do your thing. And I know that that oversimplifies it, but based upon the standards that are currently in existence, maybe it doesn't. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you there. I am. I mean, again, yeah, they're, you know, a little bit more training. And you're right. Up the ante as far as what they're being paid a little bit. Hopefully that can weed out some of the bad apples and, and attract, you know, maybe a more respectable crowd that way, you know, to do the job. Either way, there's a problem. You know, I, I think that a lot of police officers, I was watching a guy last night ahead of the biggest police union, you know, in the whole country. You know, I will say the one thing from the get go that I had seen with this guy in red is this police union from the from the get go thought there was something wrong with Chauvin. And it was good to see that they did not back him up from the get go either. So, yeah, I mean, th- there's issues here altogether, but it, it seems like we're getting on the right track here, hopefully. Um, but man, we got a lot of crap going on in this country. It's crazy. It's dizzying, dizzying. It's exhausting. I mean, it really is. And the other thing that we need to address that hopefully we are in the process of, uh, of resolving once and for all the systemic racism that has been lingering in this country for centuries. And that was part of the reckoning from last year. That was what we all woke up to. We're almost a year away from it, but it really resonated with a lot of people. And folks for the first time, especially white people, took a step back and really asked themselves, how different is the experience in America for me versus someone who is black, someone who looks different than the police officers look? And even for police officers who aren't white, it can be so rooted into the system of policing, the mistrust based upon skin color that is there, that is baked in that causes this over-the-top reaction, the reaction that we saw to the lieutenant in Virginia, the body cam footage that came out last week, the extreme over-the-top reaction, and we see these things happen. And it doesn't take a PhD in sociology to say, boy, if that person was white, I have a feeling the outcome would have been different. Yeah, right. I'm I'm with you there. I mean, there's definitely a, a double standard as far as, you know, how people are treated you know, by the police. There, there definitely is. Like I've talked about it. I've witnessed it many times. I have. And, you know, I think the big thing, too, is white America needs to can. When I say we need to stay on this, I mean white America. You know, that was one of the things, though, that pissed me off about last summer, too. You know, all the people you talked about who were kind of like woke, and woke up about this whole thing, right? Then the protests continued to happen, and I feel like that turned some people off to where they were like, ah, screw it. The hell with it. I'm going back to, you know, you know, square one with this topic. And you're like, what? I mean, so that's that's where it's frustrating sometimes. It seems like we get progress and we take two steps back and then we need somebody to slap us in the face again with something bad. And then we move forward a little bit farther than we were before. Um, and I just hope this is something we can continue to keep our focus on and just get better at. Human nature is we get comfortable in our bubbles, the things we do day in and day out, our routines. And when something makes us uncomfortable, there is the potential to react in a way that says, why are you bothering me with this? I got enough to worry about. I got enough to feel bad about already. Why are you making me feel bad about this? But it's not a matter of making people feel bad. It's, It's a matter of making people realize that the promise that is the United States of America, all those things that we say, all those things that were written down hundreds of years ago, are meaningless unless the actions match the words. Yeah. And 
Justice for all means justice for all. Liberty for all means liberty for all. It doesn't mean for some. It doesn't mean for only the people who aren't immigrants. It means everyone. Yeah. And it's not that difficult to figure out. It really isn't. And I don't know why anyone wants to fight that. But flip the dials around. There's people that want to fight that. Uh, we fear the other. We fear change. We fear any infringement upon whatever our little area of comfort is. And it's it's just ridiculous. It needs to end, and hopefully it will. All right. The hard right turn to football. But, again, we had to, this, this, this overtook the NFL for multiple weeks last year. And this is an important topic that isn't going away. Right. And it's going to continue to resonate. And the NFL and its teams and its players and its owners and a lot of people are spending a lot of time on trying to solve these issues once and for all. All right. Pittsburgh Steelers. They will have, for 56 seasons, three coaches because Mike Tomlin extended by three years beyond a contract that was going to expire after this season. He's now to contract through 2024. That was announced yesterday out of the blue by the Steelers. I like how they handle their business. No leaks, no five-minute heads up. Oh, I'm sure that chafes the guys out there who, whose existence and identity is premised on letting us all know five minutes in advance of the announcement that's about to come. Steelers just drop it on Twitter. We have a contract extension with Mike Tomlin through 2024, and there it is. And it really is amazing. Chuck Knoll, Bill Cowher, amazing. Mike Tomlin, back to 1969. An amazing run of stability. Easy to do when the team is good. If the team wasn't good, you know, before 1969, they, they had a revolving door right. at Steelers headquarters. They had a lot of coaches come and go because they stunk. Once you start getting good and staying good, it's a lot easier to keep the same coach in place for a long, long time, Chris. Getting good, staying good, finding three men that, in my opinion, got a lot of similarities. That, that's the other thing that you know you could talk to the Roonies about. They found a little formula as far as the man they like to lead their football team and the players on that team and do all that. You know, that's where I, you know, Chuck Knoll, Bill Cower, Mike Tomlin. No nonsense from any of those guys. In your face, this is what it is. We got to be tougher. You know, all the all the cool sayings like we were talking about yesterday. You know, it's it's we, we want volunteers, not hostages. There's just no BS with any of those three guys, and that's what Mike Tomlin is. So, you know, this is well-deserved. It really is. This is one of the, the, the better coaches in all of the NFL. There's, in my opinion, no better person to manage personalities communicate, motivate a football team. Mike Tomlin is special that way. I've witnessed it before. It's been an unbelievable run with the Pittsburgh Steelers so far. I don't want to say unbelievable. Okay, maybe that's a little too much, but it's been really, really good. That's for sure. And I think this was a no-brainer. A no-brainer. A guy that hasn't missed the playoffs more than two years in a row, and he's been doing this for what? This is going into year 15 as the head coach? So... Uh, you know, pretty special guy here, and and I'm glad to see it, you know, get done for for his sake and for the Steelers. Yeah, and one of the things I hear all the time from other coaches is how Mike Tomlin is so effective at getting the most out of a player, yeah. getting a player who otherwise with another team may be a very different guy, right. a problem, a guy that's hard to handle, a guy that's hard to motivate, a guy that's hard to communicate with, a guy that's hard to get the most out of, Tomlin can do it. And when some of those Steelers players go elsewhere, and the most notorious example, obviously, obviously is Antonio Brown, but there have been others. 
and I'm not going to name names because yeah. I don't want to trash those guys, but there have been others who have gone elsewhere, and their coaches are like, oh, my God, I had no idea that this guy was this big of a pain in the ass. Right. And that's, that's because Mike Tomlin was able to get him and keep him focused and get those guys to come together and get more out of the 53 players on the roster than they individually and collectively would otherwise produce. The, the, his best coaching was 2019 when you lose Ben Roethlisberger right. week two and your options are Mason Rudolph and Devlin Hodges and you still almost make the playoffs. That That is is as impressive as anything else Mike Tomlin's done, and he still hasn't had a losing season since he became the head that, coach in 2000. That's right. I mean, not one losing season. I mean, 8-8 eight and 9-7 eight and and is the floor with Mike Tomlin. And, you know, every few years it's like, whoa, we might be one of the better teams in football. Can we make a Super Bowl run? Do all of that. He gives the organization great flexibility. I mean, not, not only is he a great leader and a coach and everything we've talked about that way, you know, he, he is a, a great life teacher in a lot of ways. That's the one thing I always rubbed off on me and just how to handle yourself, the energy you bring to the office the every day. You know, no excuses. You know, don't blame others. Blame, you know, blame yourself. Look in the mirror. That's Mike Tomlin. And then he gives the front office the flexibility too because of what you just talked about. Oh, this guy's got a checkered history. It's a little bad. Uh, he's a little bit of a renegade. Oh, who gives a crap? Mike Tomlin will get him in order. We don't really have to worry about that. He knows how to make it happen. So they don't have to like nitpick about guys sometimes and their, their background and their personality because they know Mike Tomlin has got the players in the locker room, you know, in the right way and that they'll you know, take care of this new guy who might have, you know, one or two issues in his background and they'll make it work. And that's, that's to me, what is really special about Mike Tomlin, let alone, you know, like something you've talked about a lot before, Mike. I mean, the Steelers are relevant every year, every year, even the years where they're bad, which is eight and eight, they're still like, damn, they're good. Whoa, they're a pain in the butt. Oh, they had a few heartbreaking losses, and that's how they missed out on the playoffs, right? I mean, there's a lot of that. We saw them a few years ago not make the playoffs, and, you know, they got hot at the end of the year, right? And they were playing with the best teams in football, beat New England when they came into town, do all of that. So his teams always answer the bell, and they always play tough and physical. And I think that's the thing that the Rooney family and the Pittsburgh fans should always get behind with Mike Tomlin, and he's not going to – He's not going to BS you. You're always going to know where you stand with him. The problem for Tomlin and the yeah. Steelers is that the standard is so high. Right. Whenever they hit a rough patch, you will hear from yeah. the Steelers fans that want to get rid of Mike Tomlin. I have a good friend who that that that's up up to, up. Oh God, when are they going to get rid of Tomlin? It's like, do you do you really want to see what it's like post Tomlin, and do you want to see what? whoever immediately hires Mike Tomlin becomes because you know every once in a while you'll you'll see a guy get fired and land on his feet immediately somewhere else Adam Gase fired yeah. by the Dolphins right. landed with the Jets Eric Mangini when he got fired by the Jets landed with the Browns look Tomlin would not be out of the building before his phone would be ringing Definitely. with an owner on the other line. I, I could picture it. If it ever happens, you know, you, f you fill up your box and you're making the walk to the parking lot and the phone starts ringing 
and it's insert name of owner who happens to be looking for a coach or maybe isn't looking for a coach currently, but now that Mike Tomlin's available, that owner will be looking for a coach. That's what would happen, folks. And look, Chris, a few years ago, and I think it was in the aftermath of the Antonio Brown yeah, that year in the locker room right. when they beat the Chiefs and he's broadcasting on Facebook. And right. The, the idea that, that Tomlin couldn't control his guys. People not realizing how well he is controlling them. Right. And every once in a while, some of it leaks out. There were members of the limited partnership that were agitating Art Rooney to change owners and Art Rooney fortunately for Tomlin and the Steelers doesn't pay attention to the limited partners. And that's one of the problems of being a limited partner. You really don't have a voice. I right. mean, you can, you can try to exercise it, but they're not going to listen to you. And uh, again, fortunately for the Steelers, they haven't listened. And, and I think that Mike Tomlin has gone a long way to covering up some of the flaws talent wise, a hundred percent because he gets them better than what they otherwise would be. Gets them better, you know, is able to be creative and do different things that way. You know, like we've talked about too. Yeah, they might lose games, but there's very rarely do you look at a game with the Steelers and go, "Man, they weren't physical. Man, they you know they didn't play hard today." That that almost never comes up. He embodies the Steelers, like embodies them. I mean, just as far as what he stands for and what the Steelers have stood for ever since I've known them. And like to your point about you know, yeah, I don't know. There there did there seems to be, and maybe you could remember this. Maybe I was too young. Right. But like, I, I do feel like you do there where when things get, you know, whoa, we're going to go nine and seven and eight and eight with Mike Tomlin. It's a little bit like, hey, your butt's on the hot seat. And I just don't remember those conversations coming up quite as quickly with like Bill Cower and, and underwhelming years and things like that. I don't get that. And maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I was a little too young and, you know, middle school, high school to remember exactly that those years. But what do you want to say? Go ahead. Cower had three straight non-playoff season right and there was never a sense that he was in it that's what i trouble. mean that's what i thought okay good right but but yeah. but look they didn't fire chuck Knoll. And, and i'm choosing my words here carefully he's a hall of fame coach he's one of the greats of all time they didn't right. fire him but they were ready to move on they showed him the door a little when he when yeah. when, when he retired at right. 58 i believe and it's amazing to me still that there wasn't a second act for chuck Knoll. But there was kind of a sense, and I've been in and around Pittsburgh my entire life, there was a sense that the game had started to pass him by, that the window had closed, that one for the thumb that they thought they were going to get in 1980, where a decade plus removed from that quest to add to the four rings that they won in relatively short order in the 70s. There was a sense that, that whatever magic it was that he had captured in turning that team around was dissipating right and and uh if anything they may have kept chuck knoll longer than they should have i remember 1989 they got beat by the browns 51 nothing out of the gates they yeah. somehow made it to the playoffs that year but um they, 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 it, it was time and they don't typically fire people but but they find a way to move on when the time comes and chuck knoll when he left there was a sense that they were ready to move on cower cower left on his own Before power, right? The Steelers were ready for him to leave. And I still think Cower left because he knew the Steelers were never going to pay him what he thought he should get paid because he saw what Mike Holmgren was making in Seattle. And I think when Cower retired, his initial thought was sit out a few years, then come back and get market value somewhere else. And then he realized, hey, you know, this TV gig is pretty good. You still get paid pretty well and you don't have to you don't have to live in torment every right, week. Right. But uh yeah, Cower they wanted to keep 
And Tomlin's been there ever since. And Tomlin's, what, late 40s? Tomlin could be there another 20 years or longer. Definitely. I mean, there's no doubt. Yeah, I'm going to say you're right. It's probably late 40s now, right, with Mike T. Uh, but the energy in which he has, uh, I, yeah, I don't see, you know, any end, you know, in, in, in the near future. That's for sure. I, I don't think – he loves this. You know, again, he really does. It, it always – Mike, he was one of those guys, and there's a few in my career – but just one when I was down there in Tampa with all those great coaches and everything, you know, and, and you could, I, I think even if you asked, you know, my buddy Kyle Shanahan, he'd feel the same way. Whenever we looked at Mike Tomlin, we thought he's going to be a head coach. He's going to be a head coach. It's just a matter of when, you know, where and how, how recent or how, how quickly is it going to happen? Because he just had a way with the defensive players. I mean, it's really, I mean, the secondary guys, I mean, I'm telling you, he could have put little crumbs in his hand and been like, here you guys go, come on, come and eat, come and eat. And they would have been like, you know, they'd have pecked at it, be like, okay, coach, I'll do it, sure. I mean, he, he's just got a magical way about him that way, you know, with players, coaches, everything, and it kind of radiates through the building. And I think that's why, I think it's a big reason why that they don't really ever fall asleep at the wheel as a football team. Because I think when he busts through the doors in the morning – it's like, let's go football time, and he's got everybody getting going and going in the right direction, and you know, there's, of course, a lot, a lot of value to, to what you bring into the office on a daily basis, too. The Buccaneers of that era, when you were part of the team and really throughout the Gruden years, and yeah. I don't know who was setting this policy, they were notorious for not allowing position coaches to go elsewhere to become coordinators. Right. It affected Rod Marinelli. It affected Mike Tomlin. When Tomlin finally had his contract expire and was able to leave to become a defensive coordinator, it took one year. One year. Before people figured out this guy should be a head coach. And I can remember in 2006 when Brad Childress was the head coach of the Vikings and Mike Tomlin was the defensive coordinator. I remember thinking a few times that year, should we they make my Tomlin backwards? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> they may have gotten this backward, folks. And then after Tomlin left, I had that thought a lot more often uh, about Brad Childress. Sorry, Brad, didn't mean to throw you under the bus today. But hey, uh, good <laughs> coaches get praised, and bad coaches or mediocre coaches don't. But Tomlin has been great. Tomlin went into Pittsburgh, and remember, he was a master of the four-three, the Tampa two. What did he do? Yeah. Wait a minute. Adjusted. We got this three-four defense. We don't. We're we're we're. I'm not going to change what works. I'm going to take what we have, and I'm going to make the most out of it. And two years later, they win the Super Bowl. If he'd have tried to change everything around and put in a 4-3, like plenty of coaches would have done, right. what, what did we see in, in Dallas this year? Yeah. You don't have the personnel. Right. It's a transition. It hurts you. He didn't do it, no. and he has a Super Bowl trophy to show for it. Mike, it's, it's an amazing point by you, and it, it shows you, again, the leader and the guy and that – you know, his ego didn't get the best of him. He doesn't think he knows it all. He was able to go there and go, wait, this defense has been good since, you know, Florio was a little kid in 1972. Like, what? you know, I mean, I think he looked at it and realized, hey, the Blitzburg, some of these coaches are here. It's been successful. Hey, let's just keep doing what we're doing, and I'll add my two cents, and we'll tweak as we go. And that that is special. You're right. I, I mean, really, I don't think there's many coaches that would have done that. And it's a defensive coach that goes there after Bill Cower probably would have tried to make his mark, and this is what we're going to do. He realized it's a strength of the organization. It's a strength of the scouting department 
to find big D linemen and linebackers and do that. So why not keep things rolling the way they are and he adjusted instead of trying to make everybody else adjust? And I mean, come on, just the way he started off his career, taking over for a legend like Bill Cower, you know, goes 10 and 6, gets to the playoffs. And like you said, the next year goes and wins the Super Bowl. I mean, that's that's not easy in itself. And like we've talked about, been really good ever since. And let's not forget the reality that he almost didn't get the job. Russ Grimm was getting that job. One of the Pittsburgh newspapers, the Tribune Review, reported that Grimm was getting the job. And it wasn't fake news. They were told that Grimm was getting the job. However, the dominoes fell behind the scenes to change it from Grimm to Mike Tomlin. I I think it's safe to say Russ Grimm would not have gotten an extension yesterday for three more years. I don't think it would have happened. He wouldn't have lasted that long. And, And that's the thing about the Steelers to remember it's easy to have three coaches since 1969 when you're winning as long as you're relevant as long as you're better than not more often than not right it's every team would love to do it well you've got to have a good enough team because eventually people aren't going to show up if you stink year in and year out eventually the waiting list in Pittsburgh for season tickets is going to dissipate eventually those yellow seats are going to be conspicuous because they're empty that will happen and when you look back through the history of the Steelers they had they had a bunch of different coaches they had three coaches from 1964 through 1968 Buddy Parker was fired after the 64 season Mike Nixon lasted one year. He went 2-12. and 12. Bill Austin was there for three years. Three coaches from 64 to 68. Three coaches since 1968 well, when they hired Chuck Noll in 1969. It, it, if you're winning, you can do that. That's the key. If you stink, you can't do it. No, you exactly right. Exactly right. And like, uh, here's the other thing I just I, I want to hit on. I know we probably got to go to a break here soon or something like that. But like, you know, I, I always hear like the, um, oh, you know, Mike Tomlin, they, they, they kind of always underachieve, you know, there in Pittsburgh. You, you hear that a lot. And I'm going to go, why? What, 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 what tells you that they should win the Super Bowl? Like, to you, when you hear that, like, does that ring true? Like, for me, it does not. There's one year I can look at where I went, Pittsburgh should have been better or gone deeper in the playoffs. Other than that, you know, I, I haven't looked at it that way at all. Yeah, that year they lost to Jacksonville, and Tomlin said that the you know the clash between him and the Patriots and the AFC was going to be awesome and all that type of stuff. That that's the only year I can I really remember at least where I went, oh, you know, they were a Super Bowl team. They might have been the best team in football that year, and they kind of dropped the ball and fell asleep at the wheel in the in the divisional playoff game. But other than that, I just I think it's a BS narrative. I don't know. How do you feel about that? Pete just mentioned the Tebow wildcard playoff well, game from 2011. Well, basically, they dared Tebow to beat them, and he did. Well, <laughs> they, they, they dared him, but, and, he, and it worked. They did, he did. Demarius Thomas, 80 yards, walk-off, see you later. Right, but the other part of that context, too, and people need to realize this. Like, th- this is where this matters. Yeah, that looks at top, like, base level like it was an upset. It was an upset. Steelers were 12-4 and four that year. The Broncos were really damn good. I mean, we know that. If they had a good quarterback, they were a Super Bowl team too. There's a reason they shipped him out the door right when the season's over. But, like, here's the other aspect where I – because I, I had a Pittsburgh friend say that to me through text. And I just went, yeah, but do you remember Big Ben could barely walk? He, was, he played and limped into the playoffs. He was not himself in that playoff game. He played bad in that game himself. 
You know, Tomlin's cool that way. He let his, you know, big soldier captain of the offense go out there and play it like 60, 70%. You know, so that was a big part of why they lost that game too, just to defend that. But yeah, that would probably be the other loss people look at to go, they shouldn't have lost that. I wonder how many more Super Bowls the Steelers would have won over the course of the past 15 years if the Patriots weren't the Patriots. Because the Steelers have not fared well against the New England Patriots, and ultimately the Patriots caught them at six. They're tied at six, both teams trying to get the number seven, wanting to break that tie. But, you know, I, I remember how jarring it was when Mike Tomlin, after the season opening game 2015, right. when he had the issue with the radio, it's always something when we come to Fox, but there's some of that frustration yeah. at his inability to beat Bill Belichick coming through, because I think he knew that, that, that you know, that, that, that stuff happens and it was raining that night and there was a reasonable explanation for it. And, and we know the NFL not inclined to accept the reasonable explanations of the New England Patriots. So if they accepted that one, it must have been true. But but I, I think that, that Belichick and the Patriots have been an Achilles heel or Definitely. at least found the Achilles heel for the Pittsburgh Steelers because maybe they would have seven or eight if they didn't have to deal with the Patriots over the course of the last decade. I, I think it's fair. I mean, I do, yeah. I mean, I, I look at it that way. You know, let alone, let, let's not forget this aspect too, okay? this To me, this is a big aspect that sometimes gets looked over. The dude has coached in the AFC North. The AFC North, which, I mean, other than the Patriots, the two best teams in the conference are right there having to play each other twice a year. The only two teams that really have consistently at least tried to challenge the Patriots and not be bullied by them. And yeah, I mean, it hasn't worked out well for both of them all the time, but at least those two have been there to go, let's get in the ring, New England, and do that. But hey, I mean, he's had a deal that division, the Ravens, you know, with Ray Lewis still in his prime early on, all of that stuff. Cincinnati, of course, with Marvin Lewis was very talented, really good for those years. I mean, he had a number of years here where we were going above 500, and there was three teams in the playoffs from that division like every year. I think that says something too. You know, he didn't get some cupcake easy division where he always knew he was going to be the king. Uh, that That's a harder road than what New England had to deal with with the underwhelming AFC East, as we know, too. But, yeah, the Patriots have had their number. There's no doubt. I mean, who haven't the Patriots had the number of? <laughs> One of the huge challenges for Mike Tomlin and the organization over the course of this next four years that he's under contract will be to get a quarterback who can help the Steelers compete with the Ravens, the Bengals, the Browns, because the Bengals are going to be better. The Browns are the Browns now, and they're not the Browns they used to be. Yeah, Steelers don't get another franchise quarterback. They could get left in the dust, and they could have the kind of run that would spark major changes in Pittsburgh. So quarterback position next year, most likely in the draft, a, a huge priority to ensure that this run can continue by the Steelers. Let's take a break. When we return, a little what's more likely with some draft rumors. PFT Live, back after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines.
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. The odds have been all over the place for the first uh, player taken who we don't know it will be. We know that Trevor Lawrence is going number one overall. We know that Zach Wilson, or at least we strongly believe he's going number two overall. Third overall pick in the draft. The favorite by a slim margin continues to be Justin Fields and Mac Jones. Then Trey Lance, who's fading a little bit. So as we play this game of what's more likely, what's more likely? The 49ers were set on their quarterback target when they traded up to number three, or they won't decide on who they're taking until next week. What's more likely? And we mentioned this because Mike Tannenbaum, former NFL GM, right. saying yesterday that. he's hearing yeah. that there isn't unanimity at the top of the organization, John Lynch, Adam Peters, Kyle Shanahan, on what they're going to do with that pick. Yeah, well, it doesn't It doesn't take unanimity. What is that word? Unanimity. Unanimity. Yeah, it doesn't take that. Analyzation. Right? Yeah, <laughs> right. Right. My analyzation of that team is there's a king in charge, and his name is Kyle Shanahan. So he <laughs> makes the decision, okay? That's what I would say there to that. I would just be shocked, right, that – they were set on a QB target as far as who they were thinking at number three. Was it like 100%? I don't know. But my friend Kyle Shanahan is no idiot. I mean, he's no idiot. So I would think he went up there with having one guy, yes, in mind, but he wasn't just going to be like, all right, let's close up shop and not look at anything else. I don't want to do You know, I, I think he's, he's a smart guy. He's going to continue to do his homework and do his due diligence on, you know, everybody in this process, but uh, I, I would think there's one guy in mind here to, to move up to number three. And look, you don't have to put it on paper until right. you're on the clock. And I guess, it's, I guess you, you, you could, there's no reason to say who it is. If you do change your mind, you never know what's going to happen. Well, you never know what could happen. Yeah. Anything right. Could happen between now and then. Right. Something could happen. Slip and fall in a bathtub. I don't know, but something could happen between now and then. And, and uh, so why, why make it clear? And obviously the NFL doesn't want anyone to make it clear. Yeah, yeah. We've already ruined the first two. We don't want to <laughs> ruin number three. Right. Right. No, I, you know, you're right. You're right about that. And you know, I, I think, um, you know, again, all three of these guys are really talented. It does seem like there's somebody, whether it's Lynch or Peters, somebody high up in that organization, it seems to like Trey Lance. That 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 just seems to jump out to me because you hear that name a lot, I feel like, more in NFL circles than anything, and even through the media there and everything like that. So uh, I don't know where it, where where it is there, but like I said, I would just be shocked if there wasn't one guy in mind here to make that move to go up to number three, and I would think they know who that is, and they're just kind of doing their homework. 
I don't know who pointed this out. It may have been Peter King at some point in the past week on the program. It may have been you. It all starts to blend together for me. But could they be holding out hope to try to get the Falcons, if the Falcons are dead set on Lance, to the point where they wouldn't take Jones, they would take Lance to do a, a flip-flop? I, I can't imagine that at no, this point. No, I can't After either. After what you give up to get thought. there, you're right. not going to risk not right. getting the guy you want. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I, to me, like that, then, then you would have to – I would uh, you'd almost have to have like okay we'll trade it with you but you got to guarantee you're gonna pick this guy so our guy will be there I, I don't know but yeah I, I don't envision that happening and I, I think they they made a play because they want a different quarterback for the future that's what they did Jimmy G whether he hangs around for one more year I would seriously doubt that I would think that he gets traded sometime between now and June or July something there uh, but they're gonna pick. You know, a quarterback at number three. And, and like I've always said, I'll be shocked if it's not Mac Jones. Superstar tight end Kyle Pitts, what's more likely? He's drafted in the top five or four quarterbacks are taken in the top five? Oh, likely. This, this is a good. All this, comes down to the Falcons. Yeah, right. Isn't it? it is, it's amazing. I mean, it really is. This is the, the, the spot right here. I, I, I'm going to say that they go the tight end. I mean, Pitts is awesome. I mean, he's awesome. I've never really seen a tight end like him since I've been on this side of the business and really been studying players coming out in the draft and doing all that. I mean, to move the way he moves, you know, you, you can't cover him, Mike. You can't. He can get open because he's got great quickness and speed, but even when he's covered, he's unbelievable at 50-50 balls, back shoulders, whatever it is. I mean, it's, it's really, it's 80-20. It's 90-10. It's unbelievable, Mike. I mean, he's got some of the best corners in college football all over him sometimes. Doesn't matter. 20-yard gain. Easy catch. I mean, he just makes it look easy. And then he can run after the catch. So, I mean, if I'm the Falcons, that, that's where I'm going. You, know, you got a quarterback that's still really good in your hand, right? You know, what's your old saying? The thing you always say, you got a bird in the hand, right? I mean, they got somebody that I, I think has a few years left. <laughs> but to to – Look for the future quarterback. Like, I just feel like that day's done. That's the, there's quarterbacks every year. You can make a move like Shanahan did at the 49ers if you need a quarterback to get one in the draft, whatever. I, I just don't think you look that far down the road when you got one that's got at least two, three real good years left in him. And I will underscore this point before we move on. Yeah. And I know that there will be people who disagree with me, but I am very, very confident that that call at four is going to be made by Arthur Blank. He's not going to mandate. He's not going to dictate. Right. He's going to make it known. He's got subtle ways and not so subtle ways of making what he wants known. If he wants Pitts, he's getting Pitts. If he wants Lance, he's getting Lance. That's what it's going to be. And there may be no, no up, up footprints or evidence or anything, but rest assured what Blank wants is what Blank is going to get. All right, what's more likely, the Bengals take receiver Jamar Chase at number five or tackle Penny Sewell? Woo! This Chase, the former Joe Burrow teammate. I, the, right? Sewell, the future teammate who could keep Joe Burrow on the field. And here, here's the thing, too, that's interesting about this. They could play it either way. They really could. But these two positions... There's going to be a really good one left at the top of the second. That's where I, this is where it's a tough decision. It really is. You know, I, 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 I'm going to say Penny, Penny Sewell, but I don't feel confident in that. I still think there's got to be a chance where the Bengals look at this and go, wait, Joe Burrow, he's, we know how awesome this guy, they got a special connection. And with those receivers and Joe Mixon, I mean, you could really have 
an elite skill group unit there if you add Jamar Chase at number five there. I, I would got I would have to think that's enticing them a little bit here. Uh, so it's interesting, but I'm going to say Penny Sewell as we sit here right now, but I don't feel totally confident about that. What about you? What would you do? I feel more confident. I, I think it's going to be Sewell. Okay. I think they were burned by John Rice or John Ross, excuse me, yeah. four years ago, the last guy taken before Patrick Mahomes, and he didn't work out. They've got receivers. They can get more receivers later in the draft. I think they go Sewell. Let's take a break. We'll continue this game of what's more likely when PFT Live continues right after this. All right, we continue with what's more likely. The New York Giants, they currently sit at number 11. They rarely trade down. As Sharmid Williams pointed out yesterday, the last time they traded down was with the Steelers in 2006 when the Steelers drafted Santonio Holmes. The Steelers like to draft up for the guys they really like. The Giants reportedly could trade down. So, Chris, what's more likely? They trade down from number 11 or they trade up into the top 10? I, I think it's trade down all the way. This is still a team that, you know, has got, like, holes to fill uh and and I I don't know you know what would be there that's so glaring as far as one guy that they need right now that would be a top 10 talent I mean you know maybe a pass rusher but I think there's going to be a good pass rusher probably sitting there on the board at number 11 the one thing that I continue to hear from friends and people around the NFL Mike and, and I don't know if you've heard this either the whole team, the whole draft is looking to trade down. Everybody wants to trade down and accumulate picks. Everybody or trade up, trade right. down to trade. Hey, hey, we we can just go ahead and supply all of the reporting for the next eight days. Insert name of team is considering trading up and considering trading down and considering using the pick that it currently has. Well, there. yeah, right. Well, I Feel think, but I think really, I mean, you're right. We're gonna hear all that bullcrap, but I think like really because of the year and the circumstances around it. You know, lack of information out there on some of these players. Wait, we haven't seen them play football in two years. I, I there's, I, I just, I've heard this too many times. There's, uh, there's too many teams not comfortable with the draft this year. You know, I think more teams that I talk to, they want to push draft picks in the next year. That's what they're looking for. Next year, where we feel better, we can vet these guys better. We can meet them. We can go through more workouts and, and get more information on the guys, all of that. So I would think trade down, too, because, again, I think the Giants, you know, pass rusher, one thing you look at, I don't know, they could certainly go offensive line, you know, in that in that area. And I would think that there's going to be a good one to trade down there if you get the right, you know, the, the right trade package that's still available. And, and for the Giants – what they would want, right, is like you you would hope that a Fields or a Trey Lance fell down there. And now will a New England, a Washington, a Chicago want to trade up and get the quarterback and you get a bevy of picks off of that. That would be ideal for, for Big Blue. Yeah, and I like the point that teams are going to be looking to pick up draft picks yeah. next year to address needs next year to better vet next year and it creates an interesting balance between the coaches and the gms who may not be around next year that's how I you know. find that marriage right. of a team that will trade up and a team that will trade down the teams with security trade down give me the picks next year i can do a better job of getting comfortable with who i'm taking coaches and gms this year I got to win this year. I got to go all in. I got to roll the dice. And some of those moves may work. It's the thing. It's a crapshoot anyway. It's a crapshoot anyway. Yeah. But 
this is a year where you can roll the dice and get lucky. All right, let's take a break. we got plenty more PFT Live still to come. We'll be right back. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.